Check, baby, check, baby. One, two, three, four. My name's Todd. And this is Kathy. Welcome back to Zen Parenting Radio. This is episode number 369, which are all multipliers of three. Yes. Did you know that? Yes. Um, our friend Tina Park sent me an email because I, for some reason, I randomly talk about how, whether or not they're prime numbers or not. Uh-huh. And she corrected me. Um, two is a prime number. And I said that all even numbers are not prime. Hmm. Two is a prime number, as it turns out. And she gave me the mathematical reason why, which I forgot. But she used to be a math teacher at Elmhurst College. Is this Tina Park? You yeah. said, you know, she's an alderman now. She's an alderman. And I just responded back to her email and... Uh, she said something that I thought was profound at the library thing that we did last Wednesday. Uh-huh. And she said that every tr- child is born into a different family. Correct. And maybe we'll talk about that, even though we have 82 other things that we have to talk about. Meaning that if you have three children in your home, all three kids in that home were born into a different family. So for example, your first kid was born into a family where she's the only kid, she's the only child. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you have two kids and... There's no longer an only child family going on. There's a two two kid family. It's a man to man. Well, and I will also say, even without just you know, part of it is them being born and coming into the family, but also their experiences are not the same. They can be in the room, and there may be something traumatic or joyful that happens, and they will all experience it different way, differently. So they'll all have a different story about that moment, and yeah. that, by definition, makes it a different family for them too. So then you get three kids, maybe, and you go from man-to-man defense to zone defense, sweetie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I like the sports analogies. I'm noticing. And then I don't know what happens when you have four because we're not familiar with that. Zone to man. No, you're just making (laughs) stuff up now. So Zen Parenting Radio, this is episode 369. Like I said, always remember our motto, which is that the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. And why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because it will help you to feel outstanding. And who doesn't want to feel outstanding? On today's show, the main topics. You ready, sweetheart? I'm ready. Riding the waves. Got no idea what that's all about, but I'm sure you'll tell us. Okay. Uh, We are a force for good, aren't we? Yes. And um, we're going to talk about gratitude and heroes and making Oprah and a story about her child. All of those are kind of interwoven again. They're not like all separate you, things. It's That's the female brain versus the male brain, sweetie. Those are not separate things. Even if they're not, I just like the bullet points and you're always trying to connect things that don't need to be connected. That's because it. I think it's easier for people to take in when they recognize the 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 continuity, the, guys the don't interconnectedness. Care. Yes, they do. Guys, you don't care. Let's not generalize gender here. The masculine doesn't care. Is that better? The masculine in a male or female may not care. Correct. But I think that the connectedness helps us retain it. Don't you? Retainer. <laughs> What's that from? Goodwill Hunting. I do have new. Nobody knows that quote, by the way. Yes, they do. No, they don't. Retainer. But who who else would know that quote? People who have seen that movie more times than you and I, okay. which is a lot. I do have movie lines, but I was going to save it till later on. You're suspect. You're suspect. <laughs> it's a good scene. Ben Affleck, when he pretends to be in a job interview uh, because Matt Damon's character doesn't want to be there. Well, he pretends to be Matt, Matt Damon. Damon. He pretends to be Will and his suit doesn't fit. It's like... <laughs> it's really funny. It's too tight and he's totally messing with the guys and he makes the guy give him his money out of his wallet. Yeah. Retainer. <laughs> He's like, so you want me to just hand you over money in this job interview? <laughs> it's really good. Um, so that's the dealio. Quick takes. This is a new portion of our show. It's called Quick Takes by Todd. Yuck. Yikes. Are you ready? I just said yuck and I meant yikes. Yeah, don't say yuck. <laughs> this is, um, just listen to this. All right. I'm Mike Wallace. I'm Morley Safer. I'm Harry Reasoner. I'm Ed Bradley. I'm Steve Croft. I'm Meredith Vieira. Those. So every 60 Minutes, I watch 60 Minutes a lot. Uh Actually, I listen to it on my phone. It's a podcast. Uh Um, I I get annoyed. This is a tournament of bad stuff, like annoyances that really shouldn't matter, but they matter in my brain for some reason. You should be playing tournament of bad instead of calling it quick takes. (laughs) Quick takes. Don't make fun of my new format, sweetie. I'm not. You know what? We're always playing with new formats, but I think this is just... Terminant of bad. Terminant of bad. Also known as quick takes. (laughs) 
my problem with the 60 minutes intro is there's no rhyme or reason. The the people that are in the show aren't necessarily at the beginning at that intro. And there's people at the beginning that aren't in the show. And there's like eight people that say, I'm Mike Wallace. I'm morally safer. And just tell me who's in that show. I think sometimes they produce them together. I think sometimes maybe the narrator um, is the person who maybe is the lead producer or the lead narrator. Um, I don't know the news speak, but sometimes they, they all play a role in it. If that's the truth, then you just got to tell me because it doesn't make any sense. Usually, though, they very rarely, like if Lara Logan's doing a story, they will have Lara Logan at the beginning. They don't... I think I think you're right. If, yeah. say, there's three stories, all three of those yes. people, and then they'll just throw in three or four more just for kicks. And I think maybe it's because they're somehow connected or maybe it's because it's part of their contract. Does anybody know? If you know, please let me know. Because... Because I know I could Google it, but I'd rather be frustrated and not understand. It's Todd's quick take. It's my quick take. (laughs) That's my first. Uh, Second one, uh, our daughter had a sleepover this weekend. Uh And um, I said this to Kevin, my friend, and a few others. Um, After the sleepover, it's like 1030, pickups at 1030. So Mm -hmm. what happens? Moms and dads come over at 1030 and pick up their kids. Correct. Most of these kids live literally blocks away. Yes. Why? Because now if our daughter had a sleepover two blocks away and pickup was at 1030, I'd be doing the same thing. Right. That's I'd the thing. go pick them up. Correct. So I'm not judging. Right. I'm judging all of us. Why do we feel the need to go pick up our kids? We didn't get picked up when we were little. And this isn't like, oh, kids are different these days. I'm blaming myself. Why do I feel compelled to go pick up my kid when she could take her sleeping bag and her backpack over two blocks? Well, there's a few reasons, I think. Number one, because it's become habitual. Because the way that everything runs now, we're going from one thing to the next to the next, and there's no free time. So we're trying to fit the pickup in between something else. Mm -hmm. I also think that some of these kids, and this is on the same thing as time, they are getting picked up at 1030 and they have to be at soccer at 11. So the whole walking home thing wouldn't really work. Two blocks, I know. And not all of them are two blocks blocks away. Some True. of them are a little further. Other side of town. But even that, don't you remember walking miles I when do. we were little? I do. We walked through the snow. Ride your bikes. Right, right. I know. Listen, I know. I agree with you. I think the thing is, is instead of about judging ourselves and making ourselves feel bad about it, it's instead, let's look at it. Like, what is this? And is there an opportunity? Because there has been times when the girls have been down the street a few blocks and they have called and said, I'm ready to come home. And I'm like, then come on home, like right. walk walk home. Um, but there are also times when you and I have disagreed where it's been like 10 and you're like, why can't they walk home? Well, this is like, let's say our kid, we live about eight blocks from downtown right. of our little suburb. And they'll be like, oh, I want to go to the movie or I want to uh-huh. go to Jewel to pick up whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'll be sitting there on my computer and I'll be like, oh, I'll drive you. Sure. So um, I feel like I'd be a jerk to say no walk. Right. Because I'm just kind of, is it that big of a deal for me to get in the car and drive them two minutes when it would take them 20? Right. But why didn't our parents do that? Well, because first of all, I didn't grow up with always having two cars that were available. I also didn't grow up with that kind of expectation of my parents. There was a lot more separation between parents and kids. I felt like they had their own life and we had our own life. It's like, that's remember when we talked about Stranger Things and just about how that show completely portrayed, I mean- Obviously, we didn't have the science fiction part, um, or I didn't. <laughs> Maybe you did. Um, but we, they had their own lives. They, they made their own plans. They, you know, had their, they had their bike to get everywhere, and that's what we grew up with. So it's that place that we're always trying to find is having some understanding of where we came from and how some of that can be helpful, but also having compassion and understanding that our kids aren't living in that same world. Maybe because of us, maybe we're the ones who made it so difficult for them to have their separation. But I think a lot of it's timing. I Don't you feel like on some days we are just like, we're going to be here, like even right now, I got home from teaching this morning. Yeah. You and I were in a super deep conversation. You're like, we got to stop this because we hadn't eaten lunch. We hadn't done this show. We got to pick up our kids at three. We're under all these time constraints. Self-created time constraints. Correct. Meaning that we could have, you know, you're talking about picking up Skylar at three. She's in third grade, but she could walk home. I mean, we're not that far. We're not quite there. And I think next year she's talked about she and her friend are going to walk home. But there are things that we do 
that have become habitual. Yeah. We're just like, this is how we do things. Um, last part of Todd's quick takes. <laughs> <laughs> is it a tournament of bad? They're all tournaments of bad. Then play it again. This is a voicemail I got, and I've played this before, so you're like, oh, we already played this. I get these random voicemails. Okay. Listen to to this one here. Is she nice? She. I just don't understand it. Hi, this is the Tax Crime Investigation Unit of IRS. The reason you are receiving this pre-recorded message is to notify you that IRS has issued an arrest warrant against you. Right Boy. now, you and your physical property both are being monitored, and it's very wow. important that I do hear back from you as soon as possible wow. before we proceed further in any legal matter. We're being monitored. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my goodness. She at least said hi, Todd, at the beginning. <laughs> She at least knows your name. I just think it's hilarious. Well, I actually just got an email yesterday about... I can't believe we're being monitored. By our ZenParentingRadio.com saying that someone has stolen it or someone has, you know, hacked into it. And if I don't call this number by this time... And again, you look at where the email's coming from and it's coming from like dot net serve, dot dot serve, you know, like, you know. But it is really unfortunate that people use this to make a living. I know. Were I, you scared when you listened to that, Toddy? I think it's hilarious because I can't wait to share it on the show. <laughs> we're, that you're being monitored? We're being monitored, and I think there's a warrant out for our arrest. I think that's what it said, but maybe not. And interesting, because have we even turned in our taxes yet? No. So uh, why are they? On it. Yeah. Good old Larry Brown. That's my accountant. He's awesome. So my point is, why are they after us when we haven't even turned anything in Maybe yet? they're talking about 2015 taxes. Oh, well, they just of... call us instead. <laughs> they did call us. Well, why don't they like have a human? No, no. It's the it's the robot lady, sweetie. <laughs> she needs work too. <laughs> yes, she does. <laughs> um, okay. So ride the waves. So I wanted to talk about this because, you know, when something comes up over and over and over again, and that sentence has come up, I was um, reading a book over spring break where one of the chapters was actually, I don't know if it was the actual chapter, but a subtitle was riding the waves. And then I had um, lunch or coffee with my girlfriend, Annie, last week, and she and I started talking, but she actually brought it up. She's like, sometimes you just got to ride the wave. And I'm like, yeah, that's exactly it. And then I was just reading something in Oprah Magazine and it came up again. And the reason why I think that this concept of riding the wave is in the building. <laughs> First of all, Oprah has so come back into my life. Not that she has ever been gone. Believe me, she's got her own space in my brain yes, that she takes she up. Occupies she occupies a section. <laughs> she occupies a section for Probably life. Probably two. <laughs> yeah, possibly two. But she came back into my life because I finally listened to the podcast, Making Oprah, uh, WBEZ, put it together. And it was so fun to listen to. So for those of you who love podcasts, it's called Making Oprah. It's only three episodes. It's not like a super long series, nor do I think it's going to continue. I think it was just kind of like an in-depth. Three and out. Three and out. And um, why it was so enjoyable, and I wish you could play this for them, but you can't, is the beginning, the first podcast opens with the Oprah theme. Mm -hmm. And I told Todd that I was in my car and I started listening to it and I started to cry oh because gosh. I miss... That theme, I miss her daily show. I miss that feeling of a show is about to start. I don't know if this is it, but I'm going to play Let it. Let me hear it. <laughs> Maybe. It's one version. Yes, this is it. Is, it. is there any words? No, just wait a second. as you guys know and then it would like launch into the show and there's a there's a cellular feeling I have when I hear that now she's had many themes like you know she did I'm Every Woman and she had the one where she sang and then the original one right. from the early days so but this was the one from my my 30s and 40s you know when when we were living our best life baby it's kind of catchy well here's my okay I'm gonna totally go on a tangent love here. it tangent, tangent time okay Here's the thing. I was listening to this Making Oprah thing, and I was like having that feeling of that show and what she would talk about every day and how our whole – the whole world would be talking about the things that she was talking about. And she 
decided to make her show a force for good. Mm. Okay, she made a decision, and you got everybody who knows Oprah's story knows this, and so it's repetitious for many. But for those who don't know. She was going down the path of doing what everybody was doing, which was a little more like, uh, you know, kind of salacious TV, you know, like the, mm. you know, who's, who's, Jerry who's the Springer, father of this. all that stuff. Now, interesting, they came along after her. So there was Donahue, mm. and I used to watch Donahue with my mom all the time, which yeah. is probably why, you know, and it's Chicago. Donahue was in Chicago. See, there's more connections to this than what you would like for me personally, my mom used to go on the Donahue show all the time, you know, as a guest. And then Oprah comes along, Oprah kind of takes over. Your mom used to go on the Donahue? Yes. She was like in the audience, not Not as a a guest, as an audience member. (laughs) (laughs) Like, wait a second. I thought I knew your mom, but maybe I don't. As an audience member. It would be a thing that people in Chicago would do. Just like in Chicago, we would do that. So, or just like for Oprah, we would do that. And um, so no, sorry, mom, you were not a guest. You're in the audience. (laughs) And so then Oprah comes along. It was after that that all the other talk show hosts came along. Yeah. You know, all the Ricky Lakes and the, you know, Sally, Jesse, Raphael. Now, that's when things started to get a little more like ratings yeah. focused because there's all these new shows. And so, you know, the Jer- Jerry Springer took his path and Geraldo took his path. And, you know, Oprah and her team had to really figure out what to do. And their two focuses, which I've always kept in my own mind with my own work is number one, just keep doing what you're doing and quit looking behind you and figuring out who's catching up with you. Because if you do that, like if, you know, her example is always, if a racehorse does that, he's going to lose. You just got to keep doing your thing and you have to know what your thing is and why. Mm -hmm. Like you and I have deep talks about this show. Like, why are we doing this show? What are we doing here? What are we doing here? And we are very clear about what we are doing here. And a lot of it has to do with joy and love. Mm -hmm. It has nothing to do with work at all. It's just you and I. Um, so that's the first thing. And the second thing is, is who do you want to be in the world? And her big thing is, I want to be a force for good. Like, I don't want to put things out there. You know, she mentions that, um, and again, many of you know, but when she had Gary Zukav on and he wrote Seed of the Soul, for those of you who don't know that book, I'm going to say it again, Seed of the Soul by Gary Zukav. He has a bunch of different books now, but that was his, you know, big book um, in the 90s. And you know, she put that piece together of Newton's third law, which is whatever you put out there comes back to you. So whatever ripple effect, whatever energy you're offering to the world, that's what comes back to you. So becoming a force for good is not only sending that ripple out into the world for everybody else, which is beautiful, but that's the ripple you feel back. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean your life is perfect and you don't have pain and anxiety. Obviously, we know that Oprah's had her share of things to deal with, but that that has been her mission and message in life. That to me I got to watch that every day, and I still get a lot of it from OWN, but it's not the same because it's not every day. And the reason I'm saying this is because I was watching that, remembering how alive Chicago was with that and how – do you remember the Black Eyed Peas Mm -hmm. when they came on Oprah for – I think it was the 23rd, 24th season. Okay. And they shut down downtown. Okay. Okay. And they did I Got a Feeling. I Got a Feeling. And the whole – there was 20,000 people in the crowd and – They did a flash mob. Yes. The producers somehow pulled off a flash mob of 20,000 people in downtown Chicago. Yeah, I'm looking right at it on YouTube right now. Do you want to play part of it? Because it's so... I'll just fast forward to the middle. Fast forward to, yeah. I got a feeling That today's gonna be a good day That today's gonna be a good day so every so the whole crowd is standing still. Oprah's on stage, uh, kind of on the side with her phone, with her phone, just enjoying the Black Eyed Peas sing this live. Right, and if you cut to the end, okay, when she realizes what's happening, okay, get closer to the end. You might need to skip around a little bit. This is the end. No, Mute. oh sorry, Jim doesn't work. Do it, do it, do it, Perfect. Keep it here. It is pretty cool to look at. I get teary when I hear it because it's joy. Like Mm. everybody's happy Mm. and um, 
and that's the city I know. Like that's. Are you crying? <laughs> There's no crying. There's no crying in baseball. Thankfully, this isn't baseball. We have Kleenex on our table, and Sweetie just had to pull it out there. Because I remember that, mm-hmm. and I remember that is my city. Yeah. And in the last year, yeah, my city has been talked about really poorly. Correct. And um, the things that are talked about in this city are true. They're happening. Yeah. There's violence in this city, and we got a problem. Mm-hmm. But this is true, too. Correct. And we need both, meaning I don't. we don't need the violence. What I'm saying is we need to... Ex- we need to if you're going to take that, if if then you've got to accept this, If we're going to deal with this violence, we need this joy yeah. so we can do something about it. We right. need to have an alternative. We need to be able to see this, and I miss it. Mm-hmm. I miss... Um, I miss her, mm-hmm. and I miss that, like, what was happening in the city all the time. And I had the opportunity to um, go to the Oprah show several times. Um, one time it was there were military families, and that was cool. And then one time it was Justin Timberlake and Kelly Clarkson. And as I was super pregnant, like nine months pregnant with Skylar, and Justin Timberlake came down and grabbed my hand. Everybody, I have I have touched Justin Timberlake. JT. And then mm-hmm. we had the blessing of being on the show when Shafali was interviewed. Todd and I were right in the front row, right there with Oprah. And then we actually got to come back for life class and be right there with Shafali. Um, you know, we were so thankful for her to, for that opportunity and. Um, it just was such a meaningful part that I miss. And I also, so do you see how it's interwoven with my city, with my own spiritual awakening, with the work I do, with having a role model like her? And I miss it. Can I play a Goosebump um, uh, Chicago example from last October? Please, yeah. All right. So this is uh, the Cubbies crowd. This is a cr- thousands of people surrounding Wrigley Field during game seven, and it's a 51 second thing, but I'll clip out most of it, I think. And it is the uh, emotional expression after the last out is made in the bottom of the 10th. goes on this youtube clip goes on for another 30 seconds but i'm not a cubs fan and that gives me complete goosebumps oh my god it's the best and for those of you guys don't know why that is such a big deal because grandparents have passed away generation after generation wanting for just the cubs finally to win the pennant they didn't do it since 1908 i think it is or whatever it is and this is the build-up from a hundred and x amount of years i should know how many years of it but i forgot so it's just a crazy like that that human joy-filled emotion is just unbelievable. And that's what I get for, for, and that moment was incredible. I was watching that. I was with the, you know, not literally outside Wrigley Field, but we were, we experienced that here in our home and in all, you know, with all the people we were connected with. And you guys have listened to our show about the Cubs, you know, about our love. And that's what I felt with that Black Eyed Peas moment. And that's one moment of Oprah's 25 years. Are you kidding me? Do you know Mm -hmm. how many times I used to, when I worked at Northern, I would be on the um, treadmill. I remember I was like 24. It was like before you and I were even together. And it was when she started, you know, change your life and um, live your best life and remember your spirit. And I would listen to the beginning of that show and watch it. And it, it, and I am one of millions of millions of people who have been changed. And, and, and everything that I'm saying about Oprah or about Chicago or about home, everybody has their own version of that. My home is no better than anyone else's right. home. It's not at the expense of. No, it's not about Chicago, is it? It's how I feel about where I'm from. It's how I feel about who I am, you know, identity and and the people who have role modeled for me. And and those of you who are listening, you know who those people are for you and, and you hold them so dear. And so to listen to this podcast and to re, be reacquainted, even though I see her all the time, I sure. watch Soul Sessions, I watch, you know, Super Soul Sunday Masterclass. I still love OWN. It's just not the same. Um, it's just not the same. And you can't. Nor now, will it be, nor should it be. That's let's so let's get back to Ride the Waves, okay. which is how I went on this huge, you know, Oprah Chicago tangent. Let's get back to Ride the Waves. Riding the Waves. Who told me it was supposed to be the same? Yeah. Like riding the wave is that when something is high, 
you enjoy it mm. and you ride that wave and you lean into that joy. And when you are struggling, who told you you weren't supposed to? Right. Who, who told you that having a struggle was not going to happen or that you weren't going to feel pain? And the reason I say that is because sometimes we're, instead of riding the wave, which is moving through it, we allow it to overcome us and we go underneath it and we do. Have you guys ever been pulled under by a wave? Yeah. It's so uncomfortable. And hey, that happens too. We can't keep that from happening. But sometimes if we are practiced and we are conscious and we have acceptance and a sense of isness, we can ride that wave. Right. We can with, you know, and let's let me bring in another little metaphor. Bring in a paddleboard, which is like support. Yeah. So that's like asking for support. And it's easier to ride that wave mm-hmm. instead of be toppled by it. And I think whenever I'm I I'm talking with women and, um, you know, I was with eighth graders and fifth graders this morning and they're talking about the challenges that they face and it's as if they think they shouldn't be facing it. Like, why am I facing this? And the, the thing is, is you're not alone. We all do. Our work, our life is not about not facing challenges. It's not about not facing challenges or not having negative feelings or or things that are hard. It's about how we deal with them and how we ride these waves and how we know that a wave rescinds, meaning that another wave will come that could be very healing. It's so interesting that you say this because I was listening to this YouTube thing yesterday. Jack Canfield, who did the Chicken Soup series, uh-huh. I was listening to a 60-minute lecture that he did one time. And what you just said works for you. And I'm going to give the exact same idea explained very differently. Okay. He said E plus R equals O. Have you ever heard that? Uh-uh. E stands for event. Okay. Plus R, which is response. Okay, makes sense. Equals outcome. Exactly. So the events are going to happen regardless of what happens in our life. The good stuff, the bad stuff, the sad, the happy. The response is the key, which is also known as attitude or whatever it is. So E plus your response equals the outcome. The event doesn't equal the outcome. It's not what happens to you in life. It's how you deal with it. And your response could be negative or your response could be positive. What Kathy and I try to do on this show is kind of respond with an optimistic attitude in most things. Well, and I don't even know if I would sum it up with respond optimistically. If somebody dies, right. you're not going to respond optimistically. Right. What you are going to do is respond with a sense of isness mm-hmm. instead of fighting what you're feeling or thinking you shouldn't be or it shouldn't be this way or that life has happened to you, there's an acceptance which allows you to move through the feeling in a much more natural way. It allows you to, again, we say this a lot, but suffering comes from not accepting what is. That's when we suffer. Todd and I have just this week had back and forths about, we had some other talks about money like we did last week, but also just about indecisiveness is what makes us crazy. Mm -hmm. When you haven't made a decision, that's when you're suffering. When you know what to do, even if it's painful, you do it. You just do it. Like- and you do it with a sense of, yeah, this is hard, but I'm in my integrity doing this thing. Right. I know what I'm doing. So this show is definitely about the R. The E, we can't control you right. guys. We can't help you with your E's. No. Your events are beyond... Nor can... Nor can you yeah. half the time. Sometimes you can. Li- it, you know, but life hands you stuff. Right, life hands you Whether or not you ease. ask for it or not. There's going to be events. Some of them you may be personally created. Yep. Some of them happen to you and they're mysterious. Yeah. Um, some of them are learning experiences. It doesn't matter. There's mm-hmm. E's. Those are the events. The R is how are we going to respond, and that's what the essence of this show is. And to Todd's point about respond optimistically, meaning know you can respond in a way that'll keep you safe in your integrity and yourself. You can respond in a way where you can maintain your sense of self-worth mm-hmm. and and that your, your belonging and your um, understanding of who you are and that every challenge takes you deeper. Well, in another way, and we've talked about this quite a bit over the last few months, but are, are these events happening to us or for us? Right. And the to us is the victim mentality and the for us means we have something to, what can we learn out of this positive or negative experience? And that helps me. Not to say, you know, we last week we dedicated 15 minutes of the podcast about how I was worried about spending $400 on a stupid hotel room. That doesn't mean that I was happy when that happened. No. But after 
a little bit of time passed, I, I truly tried to look inward saying, what can I learn from this? What is my attachment? What am I scared of? What are my fears? And that's the work right there. Not, oh, I'm happy this happened to me. Now right. I've learned something, but am I willing to look at what this is? Because that's actually, today something else just came up with money, with paying for this camp. And right when I got home from teaching, I said to Todd, you know, where are you emotionally with this? Because I know how you feel about this. And so we go through the emotional aspect of it so we can work on our R, mm -hmm. which is our response to it, because that will then lead to the overall outcome, which is either the outcome is going to be, I'm going to continue to suffer. I'm going to continue to blame. I'm not going to learn a thing and I'm going to go numb and I'm going to go into denial, or it's going to make me more open and more practiced for the next time. Boom, I was just going to say, play boom, Pink Floyd boom, instead. Boom, boom. We've been enjoying some Roger Waters interviews. Dan Rather interviewed Roger Waters on, what's the name of that channel? Access? It's AXS. Yeah. Yeah, and, Access. Uh, God, I freaking love Roger Waters. Love him more than I thought I did. Such an interesting man. He is. It doesn't mean I agree with everything he says, but anyways. So just to kind of wrap up this Ride the Waves thing, because again, it's connected to all of this, but... Their life is what it is, and it's not under our mental control. Mm -hmm. There are things, there are choices we can make, there are goals we can create, there are things that we can put on our vision board. We can do all those things, but they don't always necessarily line up or fall. They don't become exactly what we maybe had envisioned. But the goal of riding the wave is can we still see the beauty in the experience we're having? Not necessarily like, yay, this is happening, I love it, but do we still understand how blessed we are to even have this ability to maneuver through this life and experience it. And sometimes the water does overcome us and we can't breathe for a little bit, but we can always get back through that water and ride on top of it and see the sun and feel it and go on to the next thing or the next day because nobody told us, nobody said, don't worry, you're not going to have any problems right. or you'll everything will be perfect for you. N nobody told us that. And if we believed that, we were misinformed. But what I will tell you that I know for sure is you can handle it all. You can handle it all. Maybe not today. Maybe you need to have a total breakdown today. But you do have the capacity and the tools to handle what life gives you. And if you trust that, then your outcomes are going to be and you're going to have to handle it one way or another anyways. That's true. Handling it in itself is a decision. Yeah. Which way are you going to handle yeah. it? And it's not a good way, bad way. It's are you going to handle it from a place of self-awareness right. and consciousness? So our two partners for this week's podcast is Dr. Kelly from the Tree of Life Chiropractic Care. Dr. Kelly, uh, she's an amazing chiropractor. People come from all over Chicago to go visit her. And her website is chirotree.com. Thank you, Dr. Kelly. And then the second is uh, Jeremy Kraft. He actually put in a basement window for us on Sunday. No, Saturday. Check that. 6.30 a.m. 6.45 because I had things to do. So, what do you um, mean you had things to do? I had my client, my coaching client that morning. That's why I got him there early. Oh, oh, I thought that was the only time. No. That poor guy. Yeah. You made him come out at 6.30? I did. That wasn't very nice. So um, Avid Company, avidco.net, painting, remodeling, anything and everything. Uh, give Jeremy a call, 630-956-1800. He's a bald-headed beauty. He is. Are you ready for... I want you to play one more thing for me. It's only a minute, okay. and it'll move us into the next thing. I'm going to give but you my phone. what about my movie trivia part? That's. Can we go like substance instead of movie. But I work hard on these movie lines. I know. But before you play it, don't play it yet. I'm not playing anything yet. Uh, okay. So you know how Oprah's doing like, you know, her whole thing was a force for good. And obviously this show, what Todd and I um, are trying to do, our, our intention is obviously to make you feel outstanding, but not just to make you feel outstanding, but make you feel like you're a force for good, that you understand your own power and the ripple effects you can make in the world. And that's what Todd and I hope to do for ourselves and for people who are listening. So I've been kind of thinking about every week what it is that we want to offer you. And one of the things that I heard this week was, um, do you guys listen to Sam Jones' podcast? It's called Off Camera with Sam Jones. I love it. He does in-depth interviews with actors and directors and writers. And he just, it's the entertainment industry, which is my second love after the, this, you know, self-awareness industry. And after me. And after you, right, of, course. of course, of course, of course, of yeah. course, and after the children, yeah, and after, right. yeah, yeah, but it's another love of mine. And um, he was talking with Jenny Slate, who uh, I don't know if you know her, but she's an actress and she's a comedian, stand-up comedian. She does Marcel the Shell and she was on Saturday Night Live for a while and she's got a whole sorted story. But 
she's super self-aware. So this interview was so fun to listen to. And she's super close to her parents. And she was talking about how she got into a really deep depression at one point after SNL um, and that she really talked to her dad a lot about how she felt. And one of the things that she said is that after she was in that deep depression, she felt like she had been swallowed by an earthworm Hmm. and that now everywhere she went, she felt like she had this earthworm on her body and that she had felt like she had lost her optimism. Uh. She's like, I'm still me, mm-hmm. but I feel like I lost my my optimism. And she worked through that and talked a lot about that with her dad. Can you imagine what a cool yeah. like, you know, that's I hope the girls can do that with us. Like I'm I'm doing all right, but I'm struggling here. Like the ability to talk it through. So I just wanted Todd to pay, play this one quote that she says her dad said to her, and I thought it was really powerful. That goes on forever. Yes. And it's hard. Like I'm not the most graceful um struggler. You know, like I cry and I get drunk and whatever, but I'm not ever mean and never like naked by mistake (laughs) or unsafe. (laughs) And um, I kind of take pleasure in taking responsibility for what I've done wrong. Yeah. Because then it's not ugly. It's like what my dad said to me. If you're interested in knowing yourself, it's something you're going to be involved in until the day you die. Right, right. It's a little gem. Yeah. Well, I want to close. If you are interested in knowing yourself, it's something you're going to be involved in every day of your life. If you're interested in knowing why you do what you do and who you are, you're going to have to focus on it every day of your life. Hmm. You don't get to at one point say, I got it. Right. And I don't need to think about this anymore. I can just kind of go through and roll through on autopilot. If you're interested... In knowing who you are. It's the journey, not the destination. And I just love that she, because she's, you know, she had just finished saying that how she had gotten through that depression and then how he said, this is going to be the rest of your life. Get used to it. And there's joy in that. Knowing yourself, there's joy in that. So this is not like, sometimes I think when we say that, it sounds like it's so much work. Well, it's interesting you say joy and not happiness, because if you get to know yourself, you can become sad because you don't like what comes up but joy you can have joy without happiness and because that's what joy is joy is feeling connected to the center of your being right joy to me is that place where you know you're in tune with your soul good bad ugly pretty all that stuff regardless it's joy because you know that's exactly who you are and who you're supposed to be because there's nobody else you're supposed to be but you that's right and so i just really i one of my good forces that i'm offering to you guys since we're trying to practice forces for good, is that interview with Jenny Slate. I think you guys will really enjoy it. Um, Again, it's on Sam Jones, uh, off camera with Sam Jones, and I think you'll get something great. You ready for a few uh, movie lines? Sure. Okay, tell me what movies these are from, sweetheart. Okay. This crowd has gone deadly silent. (laughs) Cinderella story, out of nowhere, a former greenskeeper now about to become the Masters champion. It looks like I'm a wreck. It's in the hole! It's in the hole! Hey! It's Shack, baby. That's what I love about these high school girls, man. I get older, they stay the same age. <laughs> yes, they do. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. Yes, they Dazed and confused. Nobody puts baby in a corner. That's an easy one. This is a hard one. This is a longer one. You ready? I'm ready. Waiter? What are you doing? Waiter? Give this man whatever he wants. Oh, I can't let you buy me a meal. Nonsense. I'll have a double turkey sandwich on white, a side order of fries, one of those large knockwares, three bags of potato chips, a chocolate milk, and two beers. Why don't you have a beer? Three beers. Thank you. I know that voice. It's Steve Martin. Um, What's the movie? Oh. Oh, God. I want to say Roxanne, but that's not right. Dirty, Rotten Scoundrels. Oh, I would have never gotten that. It's a that. funny movie. Nobody ever talks about Michael Caine, Steve Martin. Last one. Yeah, I called her up. She gave me a bunch of crap about me not <laughs> listening to her enough or something. I don't know. I wasn't really paying attention. Sweet. It's in my top ten. And who, Dumb and Dumber. And who said that? Uh, Jeff Daniels. No, what's his character's name? Um, it's Lloyd and Harry. Lloyd so, Christmas. Yeah, which one and is Harry which? And Harry Dunn. He's Harry. He is hairy. I Good got job. worms. <laughs> worms. <laughs> um, so um, this, these are the medium takes by Todd, not the quick oh, takes. Oh, boy. 
Um, I there's this really amazing um, resource, and I should try to pull it out. Let me see if I have it here. I'll put it in the show notes. Show notes. I can't find it. It's something like um, Berkeley.edu. It's something that the California Berkeley puts together. Is it that good? Yeah, good science something or other. And they do amazing research about like, I don't know if it's about positive psych, but it's about the good things that are happening in the world. Yeah. So this first one real quick is about how to upgrade your gratitude practice. Okay. All right. Um, the author says, her name is Kira. One of my new year's, new year's resolutions this year is to keep a gratitude journal because years of research predict uh, the journal will make me happier. But a new study suggests that I might want to do more than put pen to paper. I should thank people face-to-face to make my life better. Um, and they did kind of the research. They put them in these focus groups and they put them in, they actually put them in three different groups. One is just doing the gratitude journal at night. The other, um, you do a gratitude gratitude journal at night, but then you thank somebody. My phone. Oh, sorry. That's okay. Um, then you thank somebody that week. So instead of just writing it down on a piece of paper next to your bed, you actually say something out loud to somebody. And then the third was a control group where they just journaled. Um, But what's interesting, so obviously the one that had the most amount of happiness were the people that actually outwardly said uh, some sense of gratitude to a human being. But at at the end of the article, it said, after three months after the experiment, the residual benefits of practicing gratitude seem to have disappeared in both groups. I know you're looking at your phone, but can I get your take on that? I'll say, you want me to say it again? Yes. After three months after the experiment, the residual benefits of practicing gratitude seem to have disappeared in both groups. Huh. What does that say to you? That it's a consistent practice. It's, it's a not muscle. something you could do just once. Right. It's like saying that these people, you know, who worked out, um, you know, for a month and they worked out every day right. and they were so healthy and their blood pressure was better and the cholesterol was better and then they didn't do anything. And then two months later, they went back and weighed them and did all that. And they're like, oh, it's not the same. Well, of course it's not. Right. But we accept that, mm-hmm. yet we fight the the mental wellness piece. We think I should feel better. Right. If I work out like a monster for a month, come back three months from now, I'm probably going to look the same. And right. that makes practical sense. Yet we think that if we um, meditated um, middle of last year that it should have some residual effects that I should be more mindful now. Right. No, it's a muscle. We, right. you and I talk about more than anything is it's a practice and a muscle that you need to kind of keep working all the time. And that's like the language that we use is you have to be practiced. You have to be practiced. And I don't even know if that's appropriate English, but right. it's just the way that I like to think about it is there. T- I just had a client in last week and she said, um, we were talking about things like meditation and journaling. And she's like, yeah, but do you like doing it all the time? Right. And I was like, no, right. I don't always. There are days when I would, when especially if I wake up late and I want to be downstairs with you and the girls. And that's usually when I do my meditation. But the, what gets me back into my meditation is even when my ego is telling me you're in too much of a hurry, there's no point in this. I do know there is a point. It's just like when you don't want to go to the gym or when you don't want to go for a run or when you want to skip the yoga class and occasionally do it. My goodness, don't get into that structured place. No perfection. Yeah, there's no perfection. If you need to skip a few times, go for it. But if you're constantly skipping it, if you're never making time for it, that's when you're never going to see the outcome you're looking for. The, The reason I was looking at my phone, Todd, and I'm sorry I was doing that, but I was listening to an interview. I'll give you another force for good or a good force. Um, The Good Life Project with Jonathan Fields, a great podcast, but I was listening to uh, a woman named Michelle Gillan. I think it's how you pronounce it, G-I-E-L-A-N. And interestingly enough, she is uh, married to Sean Acor, who we also talk about on this show. They are both um, happiness um, researchers, and I love their research. And she talked about how important it is, like you just said, to not just practice the gratitudes on paper, but to actually reach out to someone and make it real. A lot of the research they did is they found that when someone, when you wake up in the morning and you start work and you get on your email, instead of reading your email right away, have your first email be a thank you to somebody Mm. that you care about or a good morning. I was thinking about you. You don't have to come up with, okay, who do I? That's pretty good. But before you read anything, you send a thank you email or a I'm thinking of you email to someone and what they found, this is a cool thing, the the research showed that by the end of the day, the people who had done that felt that they had a better day, Mm. like they had better outcomes for the day when really 
the events necessarily weren't different. Right. They just started it on a note. It's the invisible energy. It is. And we have to trust in it. It's invisible and it's mysterious. And unexplainable. Unexplainable. And it's not black and white and it's not, you can't put everything in boxes. But if you practice it, like I just said, my ego is like, Kathy, go downstairs and be with Todd and the girls skip this 11 minutes of you know meditation you don't need to do it but you trust that doing that will make you better for them you, and you trust it because you've done it enough to see you've done your own research yeah. you don't even need to read a journal anymore and or a, a medical journal and find out the research you know in your own life you are better when you do it so those are, I just thought that I wanted to add that. No, that's good. I like it. Um, so again, Michelle Gilan, G-I-E-L-A-N, and she and Sean Acor are uh, married and they both do happiness research. Um, so real quick, uh, shameless plug, um, I coach guys and I actually sent an email out to everybody. I, if you didn't get the email, it means you're not on our email list. So go to our webpage and click on subscribe and you can uh, get in there. Uh, but uh, yes, guys, I know you can do it yourself without the support of a coach or something like that, but I I will help you get there quicker. I'm into challenging and supporting you when it comes to relationships, parenting, things like that. So if you're interested, go to ToddAdamsCoaching.com. Let Todd be your paddleboard. That's right. Right? To use because the metaphor from earlier. You might be able to swim through that wave on that challenge, but that takes up so much energy and sometimes there's fear. And if you have a paddleboard and someone supporting you along the way, you can let go a little bit and maybe learn more. And you don't even have to live here. I actually coached a gentleman uh, out on the West Coast and we did it via FaceTime oh, or Skype cool. or whatever. Mm-hmm. So. Um, and then do you want to promote anything you have coming up? We have a library thing coming up. We do. So a week from this Wednesday, so that would be April 19th, I believe, um, Todd and I are doing a talk at the library, um, Elmhurst Public Library. It's called uh, Finding Peace and Focusing on What Matters. So it'll be, we did a talk last week and this will be, when I say it's a continuation, I don't mean that you had to have come to the last one. Sure. Um, you can be fresh and this can be your first one that you come to, but basically we're going to continue talking about how to, you know, self-awareness and how to make your home more calm um, for yourself and for your children and just to keep the peace. So uh, you can register by going to zenparentingradio.com, click events, and you'll see where it says there, you know, finding peace, and you can click on that. If you are from Elmhurst, then obviously you can register right now. If you are from out of town, you may need to wait until Thursday of this week, which is the, what's today, Todd? Uh, today's Tuesday, the 11th. So uh, around the 13th or 14th, if you're from out of town, you can register too. Um, but they just try and get Elmhurst people first. And then a week beforehand, they open it up to people from out of town. So a few things you can do to help us out. One is just tell a friend about our show. We also uh, love the iTunes reviews. And I'm going to give you a few. Um, and I may have mentioned this one, so I might be saying this for a second time. But um, Boardman 2010 from Canada said that uh, ZPR is her weekly giggle slash cry and then tammy ramsey from the usa said that she loves our podcast and she discovered us through dr shafali and our third one is jessica dw from the usa she says that we are her weekly inspiration which is very kind and then lastly maggie rose it says that uh we are her top favorite podcast. So, wasn't there somebody who was like twenty three who doesn't have kids? but yeah, we she did. really likes the show. I think we did that last week. Oh, we did. I and, believe so. And I love that. Because, oh no, this is her, oh. Maggie. I've been listening to this podcast for years, and I have no plan on stopping. Although I am pretty far from the average listener, I am a twenty three year old with no children. I still find this podcast very applicable to my life. And I think that's so great because that is always our hope with this show: is that this is universal principles. This is obviously because we are in the world of parenting right now. And that's what we're focusing on. And that's definitely our greatest mirror for growth. That's where that's why it's Zen Parenting Radio. But the truth is, any age can listen to this. Any age could get something from this. So we didn't get to everything. We we're going to talk about one of our daughters getting mad about syrup, hoverboarding and smacking, but that <laughs> might have to wait until next time. And then, um, oh, my, my quote of the week, I pulled it from Akat Tolle. You know him, don't you, sweetheart? I do like him. Um, it says, relationships are here to make you conscious instead of happy. What do you think of that? Y- yes, absolutely. You know, one of the great discussions, like philosophical discussions I like to have with people is about like, you know, the way we live our, live our lives versus monks, okay? Or people who are kind of um, 
more hermited, mm-hmm. you know, where they're on their own and they maybe meditate all day or, you know, have that experience of being becoming conscious because they have the time space and that's their whole life focus right. is I'm going to become conscious through meditation. But we, as people who are not monks or who are living in this place and time where we're getting our kids to school and going to jobs, we have to figure out a way to become conscious in this more earthly you know, plane where we're kind of part of the, you know, the big picture here. And how do we do that? I feel like the greatest wake up calls are the relationships we have with people. If we love someone, we are willing to look at ourselves and our energy and what we bring and who we are. And so it helps us create a better relationship with them. Don't you think love is it? Love is it. Because Um, a quick other quote from one of my favorites, Alexander Supertramp, who's the main character Mm. of the book called Into the Wild. Wild, And if you've never seen the movie that Sean Penn directed or read the book by John Krakauer, I would highly recommend it. But he said, happiness is only real when shared. Correct. Which I love. And I'm looking at a picture of him right by his bus before he died. Chris. Chris. Chris McCandless. Chris McCandless. And that's, you know, relationships. Uh, I, I feel like we always say, and that's what this show's about, and that's what this show's about. But relationships are it, my my friends. That's right. Our, the relationship with ourselves, our loved ones, and even strangers. Um, so, guys, just, you know, you know, <laughs> just, you know, just be cool, man. And keep on trucking. That's all I got. Have a good week. Adios. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks. We appreciate you, and we hope you'll join us next time. If you're a fan of Zen Parenting Radio, they are. consider leaving us a review on iTunes. We love them. This helps people find us, or you can just tell a friend about our show. Even better, word of mouth, right? Right. Todd and I, we do our speaking engagements about Zen Parenting and self-awareness, so if you have an interested group or an organization, contact us at kathy at zenparentingradio.com. We love speaking to groups. Hey. Hey now. Guess what? Next year's Zen Parenting Conference is March 2nd and 3rd, 2018. Sweet. If you want to know more about this or any of our upcoming events, go to zenparentingradio.com and click events. If you like reading awesome parenting books, read Kathy's. She's got three of them. And the way to find out about them is go to zenparentingradio.com and click on the store. Thank you. You're welcome. Award-winning, I might add. I know. So you coach guys. I love coaching guys. And you're good at it. I do it on Skype, face-to-face, and even on the phone. And we talk about uh, parenting, uh, relationships, finance, career, work-life balance. It's awesome. So first session's free. If you're interested, go to toddadamscoaching.com. Great. And if you ever shop via Amazon, you can help us out by first going through the Amazon link on our homepage. It won't cost you anything, I promise. Yeah. But we get a small commission from Amazon. It's just an easy way of making money. And you, you, you're you going to buy from Amazon anyway, so you might as well go through our homepage. All right. Right-hand side, Amazon link. Great. Great. <laughs> hey, and thanks for being such an awesome listener, you know? <laughs> our sponsors oh yeah um i also want to thank our two amazing partners dr kelly from the tree of life chiropractic care and avid company painting and remodeling avidco.net and dr kelly's at chirotree.com thank you so much for all your love and support keep on trucking sweetie case say keep on trucking keep on trucking i say it better i know that's all right keep trucking adios